This is 69 The Podcast. I'm Dave Haynes. 69 has been covering the digital signage industry since the dawn of man, first online and now as a podcast. The goal on here is to make listeners aware of interesting companies, smart people, and new technology developments, all of them meaningful in making digital signage projects happen. I try to help listeners understand sometimes complicated subjects and why they should care. The podcasts are free and I try to get a new one out weekly, but things happen now and then. The 69 Podcast has been gratefully sponsored and supported since the start by Jeremy Gavin and the fine folks at ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. ScreenFeed makes beautiful-looking, totally automated content for signage and digital out-of-home networks. Check them out at ScreenFeed.com. 69 has been around since 2006, and the publication and podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which provides customer engagement solutions for business. You can find them at Spectrio.com. What if you could use AI to make digital signage screen content relentlessly relevant? That's the premise and promise of what corporate calls machine learning broadcast, new capabilities in the Dallas-based software firm CMS platform. Using computer vision and machine learning, the idea is that if the platform can get a sense of what's making people stop and watch in a defined environment, then content can be optimized based on that interest. The system finds and schedules content to push to screens based on engagement metrics. How it all technically works is a bit over my shiny head, but I had a good chat with Corbett CTO George Klopp about what's going on and its implications. We also get into what the future looks like for AI in digital signage. George, thank you for joining me. We, we've chatted in the past. Uh, for those who don't know Corbett, can you give me a rundown of what the company's all about? Hi, Dave. Hey, pleasure to speak with you again. Uh, yeah, Corbett is uh, at, at its root an employee engagement company. Um, so we've got roots in, in digital signage, but our typical use case is using digital signage at corporate campuses and to communicate to employees, to increase employee engagement, as well as to communicate real-time critical mission, uh, mission critical stats as well. Is that pretty much the core vertical that you guys chase workplace? It is heavily into workplace, uh, meeting rooms as well. Um, you know, we do a lot with uh, retail bank, um, a little bit into the retail space, but it's primarily corporate campus. And for those who don't know the company, it, it actually goes back a long, long way to Simon Communications days, right? When you guys were doing workplace communications long before the digital signage industry discovered that. Yeah, exactly right, Dave. I mean, it precedes me. I've been here uh, seven years now. I can't even believe it, but uh, that's how much I enjoy this space, enjoy the industry. I enjoy the uh, the company so much. But yeah, we had Target Vision, Simon Communications, and we've just evolved. Uh, I joined kind of the tail end of 2016 to develop the Corbett platform. And uh, mm-hmm. obviously, we have to meet the needs of the digital signage industry, but we've had a really, really heavy focus on employee engagement as well. Is it interesting to see all these other companies who were more general offers uh, find their way into workplace because they see that as a, an opportune vertical? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I view it as exciting. I think it's a definitely a macroeconomic trend uh, with the pandemic, post-pandemic, the modern workplace. Everything is reimagining and reinventing and, and re-everything these days. So, um, no, I, th- I think it's good. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a legitimate uh, macro problem that everyone's looking to provide solutions to. So I'm really excited. I, I love the industry myself. And, and in some respects, you guys have been doing back of house 
uh, a lot longer than most companies would have. And what I mean by that is you're not just working in the offices, you're, you're working in production areas and so on. That's correct. Yeah. Heavy, heavy in manufacturing, heavy in contact centers, um, anytime where you're doing critical real-time data, you're connecting to an ERP, enterprise resource planning, a yard management system, and you want to change or orchestrate the display and the surroundings based off of data changing, we've got a deep background in that. Yeah. So for contact centers, if I recall, you were years ago, pre, pre your arrival with the company, you were doing like a low res LED readouts that were just telling people in the contact center, you know, the average uh, wait time on calls and things like that. Right. Exactly. Right. You know, and that's, yeah, that's matured over the years. And now we're doing that on the desktop, on the mobile device as well. Uh, but you know, we still have some supply chains, some yard management systems in a warehouse where we'll do the little blinky boards over the, over the dock doors themselves. So we range from the dock doors all the way to your mobile device. Now, uh, the, the PR that came out, uh, about a new, a piece of functionality that you're, you're, you're marketing talks about a million endpoints, 250 cloud migrations and a hundred plus native integrations, a, a million endpoints. That's, that's like a lot. It, it is. Yeah. No, we've, you know, scale, scalability and being able to expand out to touch desktops, you know, normal, typical digital sign screens, mobile endpoints. It's been a real focus on us for, you know, the last four or five years. Uh, so we're really proud to announce that. And then, you know, the, the, the back end, like you were talking about those native data integrations, I think that's really what mm -hmm. sets us aside from a lot of our competition is, you know, making those really hardcore, you know, authentications and then that real time pipe between us and the source systems. Um, I know a lot of other software in our space that we run into, they talk about integrations. A lot of times it's really just a file, you know, they're taking data from a source system they're putting into a CSV format or, you know, any kind of other format and then they're pulling that in. So that's really where we shine is with that real time data integration. Is that important uh, in terms of a distinction when uh, solutions providers and users are looking at data integration and they see that a CMS says, yeah, we, we, we do data integration, we, we can integrate with your platform. It, it, it sounds like you're saying there are different tiers of that and there's real integration and there's just kind of like baseline. Yeah, no, exactly. That's that's the right way to pick up on that, Dave, for sure. So, you know, when, when you need to orchestrate and change things in a 911 center or in a manufacturing type environment and definitely in a contact center, you know, speed is really key there. So having something mm -hmm. on a five minute loop that's pulling a file, um, it's just not fast enough. So you need that real time data. You need that HA availability, that high availability. You need to have that so that, mm -hmm. you know, something were to break that you've got a backup in place and you can make sure that that contact center, that supply chain, that 911 center is uh, rolling smoothly. They're getting their, not just getting their data, but they're changing the experience on the data. That's another thing that we do is, you know, we pull in, we pull in stats, but we also augment those stats and do value added calculations on the stats. And then we trigger on those values to change the screen or change the mobile device or change the desktop. So if you've got too many calls in queue or you're running behind on this loading dock here, we'll change the entire experience for you based on that, that value added stat that we do. Uh, I also assume that when companies talk about integrations, 
for very logical reasons, they're going to go to the most used platforms out there, uh, whether it's Teams or God knows what. But if you have 100 plus native integrations, you're you're probably talking about some pretty exotic things that nobody's ever heard of. And if 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 a company went in and said we can, you know, we 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 can integrate with their systems and they say what those systems are, their, their eyebrows are going up because they're thinking, I have never heard of that. Yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely, Dave. I mean, there's, there's some low level protocols where we just integrate at like a TCP level with a very, very proprietary protocol. But I would say the bulk of it is more modern JSON based RESTful interfaces for sure. And uh, we like to distinguish between data integrations, business application integrations, and SSO integrations, kind of in three categories there. So like a Power BI or a Tableau or something like that, that would be more of a business application integration. And when we're talking data integration, we're talking more low level, you know, running SQL against a data store, running web services, running SOAP-based web services. And to that extent. So, yeah. And again, that's why we, we call it out in our marketing, because we do think that that's a core differentiator for us. So j- just to go back to something, when you, when you talk about a million endpoints, you, you're including uh, desktops. Absolutely. That's correct. Desktops, mobile devices, okay. basically all of the endpoints that we talk to. Right. Okay. Good, good. So uh, back at the head of summer, you guys introduced something called machine learning broadcast. What is that? Yeah, no, great, fantastic question. Yeah, we were we were involved with machine learning, AI before it was really cool. So this was actually something we developed in 2018. Uh, we've been honing the model, and then we re-released it, you know, this year. Um, but machine, you know, machine learning is a subset of AI. We all know AI is a super big buzzword these days. And, you know, when you peel that onion, there's there's levels of, uh, of accuracy involved there. And there's there's a lot of hype around the word. But what, the reason why we call the feature machine learning broadcast is really to focus on the ML aspects of it. And uh, it's, it's a great business problem to solve because at the end of the day, what we're really creating is a recommendation engine. And I think everybody's familiar with, you know, the Amazon recommendation engine, uh, Instagram, other social media platforms that are just, you know, they're recommending content for you. And that's essentially what we're doing here. We're using uh, KNN analysis, which is supervised machine learning to uh, look at content that has some engagement with it. And that engagement can be measured by uh, computer vision on a digital signage screen. It can be measured by interactivity with it on a desktop or interactivity with that with that content on the mobile device. And then behind the scenes, all we're doing is we're finding out second, third, fourth degree order content that's related to the content that was engaging. And then it's a feedback loop. We go ahead and automatically schedule that content and see how that content is engaged with. So it's kind of a self-learning feedback loop there. And the whole purpose of it is to find content that's engaging and show more of that content to your employees. (laughs) Could you give me a, uh, like a real world kind of example of how that might work? Yeah, absolutely, Dave. Uh, Let's say you're opening up an office, brand new office, a company's opening up a brand new office in Buenos Aires. Um, And for whatever reason, people really gravitate to that content. You know, they, they look at it on the signage screen, on the fifth floor break room, they're engaging with it on their desktop, they're looking at it on the mobile device. 
we learn from that engagement and say, okay, hey, let's go ahead and find like-related content there. Let's find content related to office openings, Buenos Aires, and then let's go ahead and, and go further out and look at second, third order tags. So that would be content related to South America as well. And then we automatically play that content, inject it back into the playlist. And, you know, our customers have complete control over whether it's automatic and which players actually get this content and which devices get it. And then we learn based off of that content. So it's a feedback loop. And you might find in that case that, you know, your employees are really interested actually more in the geographic region than they are in the new office opening. So it's kind of relentlessly relevant. Exactly right, Dave. And, it, you know, it's solving a real world business problem because one of the challenges our customers have is it's really arduous to constantly schedule new relevant content. You know, the first couple of times you do it, you create a scheduled playlist. Um, yeah, it's it's OK, but it takes a long time. And then with attention deficit disorder in today's modern world, people, uh, they grow immune. They tune out that same content over and over again. So you need that fresh content injected to keep the employee's attention. I'm guessing that somebody's going to be listening to this and thinking, well, that's cool, but where on earth do I get or how do I develop all this content so that I do have this somewhat bottomless, uh, hyper-relevant content available? Yeah, no, fantastic question. Um, yeah, and right now in its current stance with our ML broadcast, you need to have that content in your media library. We're not automatically going out to like copyright free areas and pulling in content. But with our release mm-hmm. coming out next year, it's called our, you know, AI employee engagement. With that, we'll automatically be creating and sourcing content for you on your behalf. Hmm. Yeah, I saw a demo of something like that. Uh over in Germany a little while back with another company who I'm sure you'll be happy if I don't name them. (laughs) That was all about uh, using uh, what was available through an intranet and extranet and other resources to kind of auto-generate content for screens. Yeah, you know, it's it's opening up the whole world of generative AI. And we're actually looking at both. I mean, whether, you know, there's, there's generative images, generative video, generative text, um, obviously in our space, images and videos mean a lot. Um, and there's different, there's different systems out there. There's Dali 2, there's Stable Diffusion. Um, they've all got their, their strengths and their weaknesses, but we're combining that with templated based content as well. So automatically mm-hmm. generating content that's relevant based off of a text prompt. That's super useful, but in some cases it might not be the right content that's generated. So we also will have mm-hmm. a mixture of templated content as well. Yeah, I think templates is a big, big part of that. I've farted around with things like mid-journey and so on, and you could see how it could go sideways on you really quickly if you left too much up to the machine. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's it gets into that whole thing of prompt engineering. You got to be really good with your prompts. And, you know, they've all got issues like generating hands and things of that nature right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we want to be kind of on the leading edge of this, use it where it makes sense. An area where we think it really makes a lot of sense kind of a preview into our AIEE is um, on mission, values, and goals. We feel like that's an area where, you know, our customers just don't communicate enough to their employees on, you know, hey, there's cake in the break room. Let's recognize employees. That's all part of it. But really just reinforcing, hey, your goal in the finance department this week is to, you know, close your books three days earlier. And so kind of mix that, mix that text in 
with some great video or some great images that are created in the background using this generative AI. Yeah, I, I saw something on LinkedIn last night and I commented on it because I thought, this is great that there's a company that's using KPIs and messaging right on the production floor. And the, the, the person who posted about it said, you know, this is not very sexy, but it goes to what's needed on the floor for those workers. But the problem was it kind of looked like hell. Uh, it was just black and white and they were slapping up a whole bunch of uh, Excel charts and like a stack of them. And you, 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 you'd need binoculars to even see them. So the, it's important to think about the presentation yeah, totally agree, Dave. I mean, I, I say this at all my you know, speaking events, you know, content is king, content is queen. That still rules the day. So uh, when we're intermixing real-time data with content, it has to be visually appealing. You can't have, you know, 20 different stats on the screen. All of those rules of, you know, uh, graphic design, I still think hold true here. Mm -hmm. Do you see a day... For over a decade, ScreenFeed has been the reliable choice for beautifully designed, licensed content such as news and weather. We handle over 27 million requests a day to deliver dynamic content to 200,000 screens across the globe. Now we bring you ScreenFeed Connect, a no-code solution that makes complex content projects easy. Projects that used to take our designers and developers weeks became a to-do we could complete before lunch. The easy-to-use browser-based tool leverages pre-built data connections and ready-made widgets to give you the power to design with data. Create team member profiles, schedules, tenant directories, progress boards, featured products, or anything that leverages your data. Discover how Connect empowers you to complete projects faster at ScreenFeed.com. Do you see a day when things like scheduling and trafficking of content is largely automated and kind of handed off to machine learning or, or some variant of AI? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what we're trying to build, Dave, uh, and, you know, with a release out next year, um, with the ability, of course, to intervene, the ability for the communicator to come in and, and approve content or really go ahead and bias the content and say, okay, I've got these 30 categories of content. I'm seeing that I really want to bias um you know, what one of the content uh, areas could be, hey, I'm new in role. I'm a new first time line manager. I'm a new director. I'm a new VP. And there's content associated with that new in role. They might want to bias that and increase the weight on it, decrease the weight on it, take it out altogether. So there's still going to be that human touch involved and the ability to approve content. But the, the AI itself will take care of making sure that content is fresh and relevant. And, you know, the big problem we're solving there is just that, again, the attention deficit disorder people have it. If they see the same thing on the screen week after week after week, they tend to tune out. So how can we mm -hmm. think of in innovative ways to display KPIs, display goals, display things that are really important to the company and give it a great background, give it a great video so that it gets uh, employees attention again? When you talk about machine learning broadcast, you, you reference AI driven camera optics. Is that basically computer vision? It is. It absolutely is. Yes. And did you guys write your own or are you using something like Intel's OpenVINO? Um, yeah. The two big ones out there, we've used OpenCV, Open Computer Vision, and TensorFlow. And they both kind of have their okay. strengths and weaknesses. But yeah, no, that's, you know, that's 
there, there's higher order problems we're trying to solve here and not reinvent computer vision. So we're using some libraries for that. Is that just part of the mix of, of doing this sort of thing? Like, are there other technologies that you can use to get a sense of uh, dynamics in a venue? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, infrared detectors, uh, pressure sensors to kind of tell you who's in that immediate vicinity, all with, and you're just, you know, you're basically correlating that to, you know, human beings in the vicinity, how many human beings are there, and then what was playing on the screen at that time. Yeah, so mm-hmm. there, there's 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 less uh, technology ways to do this and still kind of get some good results. AI is being talked up a lot uh, as, as you know you've gone through uh, about its potential to automate presentations. Are there other aspects to uh, a digital signage company, the way your company operates, that you can use AI to uh, you know help with marketing, help with customer contact, that sort of thing? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I'm sure you're reading everything. It's it's revolutionizing um, all traditional roles, right? Not just engineers writing code. You got Chat GPT engineer. Um, you know, it's gonna with with Microsoft's Copilot. It's gonna uh, revolutionize the way we all use Excel and Word and PowerPoint and things of that nature. And it's definitely revolutionizing marketing. You know, building product brochures for you automatically. Things of that nature. Um, so, and, and then, yeah, that naturally progresses into is AI going to take all of our jobs, uh, which I don't think so. Right. I think it's going to help us all become more productive and the you know, the people mm-hmm. that, uh, the employees that really change and adopt the AI, I think they're going to be even more valuable than they are today. Um, it's just the, the employees that just say, Hey, I'm not going to do this. And they refuse to allow their cheese to be moved. Uh, those are the ones that I think have to watch out. Right. There, there's, uh, Increasing number of companies, I just wrote about one today that has gone down the path of headless CMS, the idea that uh, you, you can leave the final presentation later, the interactive element, whatever it is, to software developers at a large company or who work with a large company as a, as a services company, and the Digital signage CMS is just kind of the infrastructure, the foundational platform that does device management, scheduling, trafficking, all that sort of stuff. Are, are, are you seeing that demand in the marketplace? I mean, we're kind of seeing the opposite. I mean, what you're saying absolutely makes sense, uh, especially with my background and the way we've architected our product with microservices. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. what we're seeing, especially with our large enterprise customers is they want a little more white glove service, uh, The you know, the taking on the arduous task of, you know, piecing everything together, even with a microservices framework is putting a lot of ownership on them. Uh, but not to say that it's, there's not a need out there. We, you know, we just really haven't found it. We've actually gone the opposite direction in our side, which has really served us well because, you know, we've, we've gone from, you know, zero revenue in cloud to then 2 million. Uh, we brought on a new CEO and we quickly ramped up to 20 million. So um, I think it's working for us so far. Yeah, you're a, a very different company than uh, you, you were uh, maybe prior to you joining with RMG Networks. That was uh, a weird little side trip into digital out of home. <laughs> it was. We, you know, we, we see the, the, the artifacts and all that. But, yeah, I think it, it's a great group of people here now. Uh, there's not uh, a leftover where people have kind of like the bad attitudes or anything like that. So really, really mm-hmm. proud of where the company's been, the talent we've acquired. You know, we've, we've acquired people from all over the industry. 
Um, you know, really love working with the current team and, and cross-functionally, not just engineering and support, which is what I run, uh, but in sales and marketing as well. Yeah, it's interesting when you mentioned you've gone in the opposite direction of Headless. Uh, I, I've heard that as well, particularly when you get into, you know, like Fortune 500, Fortune 100 kinds of enterprise-grade customers. They want to outsource digital signage by and large in the same way that they've outsourced a lot of IT services. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's the same trend we're seeing, Dave, too. I mean, it's it's a little bit of both. Like everybody wants their cake and eat it too, right? Like they want you to have the ability to do it. But then when it comes time to actually executing on it, we typically find, hey, we can help them get faster to market if we help augment their team. How important is security? Oh, huge. <laughs> huge, right? I mean, we all know the, the disaster scenario in digital signage. Someone compromises your network and they put up some content images or videos that are not... Uh, appropriate, um, you know, even more so with us being more omni-channel, desktop, mobile device. So, um, you know, we've we've got um, a data privacy officer. We're SOC two compliant. Uh, we do a lot of work in Europe, so GDPR comes up a lot as well. Data privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think it's super super important. You know, when I think you look at uh, the different offerings out there and the first tier. We look and sound the same. So I think what you got to do with with new prospects or new customers, they just got to peel that onion more. Like, what does that mm-hmm. really mean? What does it mean that uh, you encrypt your data? Do you do it at rest? Do you do it in transit? Those kind of things. And I think that's where you can tell the difference between different offerings. And are the people in the first and second meetings with prospective customers different than they were, let's say, seven years ago when you started? Like, I, I, I'm hearing the IT people who used to come to meetings and kind of sit there with their arms crossed going, dear God, how long is this going to go on? Uh, they're, they're now tending to lead these meetings? Yeah, I've seen it in multiple ways. Uh, definitely, IT is still the, a big persona of the buyer um, here. Um, but I'm also seeing... Um, less and less about speeds and feeds and players and hardware and transmission equipment and scalers and more about the final purpose of what we're trying to do. Um, I'm just mm-hmm. starting to see that shift. You know, like we, you know, seven years ago, I talked to people and like, Hey, it's the AV integration guy. I don't really care what's on the screen. I just care that it's not dark. Yeah. <laughs> I just want, I don't want a screen that's down. That's their most important thing. And now I'm seeing that shift a little bit more towards they do care about the content and they're bringing in more of the HR and the communications group involved and making sure that, that, Hey, the platform can grow. I can create content on the platform or I can integrate with Adobe or SharePoint or something along those lines. So, but I still see the IT, especially the AVIT as a huge influence in the buying process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Certainly going back seven, eight years when I was doing some one-to-one consulting with enterprise level customers, that sort of things. I would go into a first meeting and I would say, okay, why do you want to do this? And it was always intriguing to see how often people would kind of lean back in their chairs and say, I hadn't really thought about that. <laughs> right. They, they wanted this thing, but as you say, they didn't really know what the, they were going to do with this thing. Yeah, exactly right. And, and, you know, there's a little bit of power in that, too. There's power to putting the latest and greatest screen technology in your office and giving you that mm-hmm. modern technology look and feel. 
but then just carry it, you know, one more step in the maturity direction and start focusing on the content too. Yeah, it's, it's you can demonstrate innovation by having a big ass screen in your lobby, but if there's nothing useful on there, you're you're not really demonstrating a lot of innovation. <laughs> exactly, exactly right. You know, and and I think there's there's still. Um, you know, there's still room for that super wonderful creative experience that's, you know, human curated that graphic designers mm-hmm. make. And they spend a lot of time getting just perfect uh, in those high uh, profile areas like the lobby of a company. And then there's there's also opportunity for, hey, new content generation automatically for me so that I don't have to necessarily sit here and handhold this thing. So I think we're going to live in a world where both are applicable. So you mentioned uh, you're working on new iterations of AI-driven content. Is that the big kind of roadmap item for your company over the next year? Yes, it really is. Yeah, I mean, we've got a huge, large player ecosystem, all the data integrations, omni-channel platform. So where our new development team is focused on is automating the content creation, automating that entire feed, if you will so that it really takes that arduous process away from our communicator. How many folks do you have in the company now? Uh, we're a little under 70 people right now. So still, oh, okay. still a small company. And, uh, you know, I love it because everybody has to uh, wear multiple hats, do multiple roles. Uh, you got to bring a lot of energy to the company. And, uh, you know, I just, I just love that. I've, I've just grown so fond of it over the last seven years. And is most of the team in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area or are you all over the place? Um, you know, since COVID, we're, well, we're mainly in Dallas, but since COVID, a lot of us have moved out a little bit. So I'm actually in Colorado. Some of my engineering leads are, you know, in the West Coast. Some are in Pennsylvania. So we're uh, we're really practicing what we preach, you know, the hybrid workforce. All right, George, thank you for spending some time with me. It was good to catch up. Yeah, it's fantastic, Dave. Thank you so much for taking time out. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe you learned a thing or two. If you're new to 69, it's a podcast that's been around since 2016. You can click around the archive and find hundreds of conversations with smart industry people. If you're new to digital signage, you need to be reading 169 at 16-9.net. You'll find more than 8,000 posts by me and expert guest writers about this industry. 169 is not a press release republishing mill, like a lot of the stuff out there. If something makes it on 169, that means it matters in some way to the business. Everything about 169 is free. Great sponsors make my work possible, and the key one here is ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. Check out all the curated and automated content available at ScreenFeed.com. 16.9, the blog and the podcast, are now owned by Spectrio, which does customer engagement solutions, most of that digital signage, for all kinds of businesses. You'll find them in the Tampa area and online at Spectrio. That's Spectrio.com. You'll find me working out of a sunny back room in my house, located outside Halifax, Nova Scotia, on the east coast of Canada. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Haynes.